Hey, everyone. You found the Don't Suck at AI podcast, where you'll hear from AI industry icons about how their companies are producing successful AI solutions that are changing the way we do business today and into the future. So here's your host, John Lindsay. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for joining us on the Don't Suck at AI podcast. Today, we've got a London Calling show, Bill, one of your favorite albums by The Clash. I know you had that. In, well, it was at 79, 80, because I was in high school, John, right? Yeah. We got a good one lined up for you today as we're welcoming the head of Jameson Legal Tech, John Bartman, to the podcast. John has a deep working history with law firms within their sales and marketing groups, helping them align fintech strategies and directing them on legal tech options. So it's only made sense when Jameson Legal looked to move into the legal tech space. They put John at the helm. Jameson Legal Tech launched earlier this year, and the timing could not have been better. Legal tech is absolutely booming, as we're all seeing, and it gives rise to many law firms and legal departments being unsure about the right tech to apply. Enter Jameson Legal Tech. They are working internationally, given the fact that Jameson Legal was already known as a worldwide legal recruiter. And since they had trusted clients all around the globe, they were able to use those successfully placed lawyers to begin leveraging their legal tech deployment strategy. So John shared with me earlier that they started to get several inquiries from their Jameson Legal Network saying, hey, you know, we're looking at legal tech. It's confusing to us. We want a little help. And so, of course, uh, a necessary business was formed. So, John, our goal today is to have you share with our listeners a little bit more about you since you're leading one of the more progressive legal tech advisory consulting firms at a time when digital transformation and AI adoption are crazy at the forefront of legal firms and law department minds. So before we do that, why don't you take a few minutes and share with our listeners a few things about your background that I might have overlooked. Ah, it's great to be here, number one. Very pleased to be with the both of you. Look, my background, I was working with a number of top-tier law firms on sales and marketing strategies. I really enjoyed the process of understanding how law firms grow and really got into the minutiae of how to get new business for law firms. And that was with, most importantly for me, Mishkondorea, which I'm sure most people have heard of these days. It's, it's an unbelievable place to be around because the entrepreneurship is second to none. It's a wonderfully run business. Forget about being a, an amazing law firm, but lots of ideas running around and success has followed them every step of the way. I've also worked with Cooley in the UK as well. That led me from sales and marketing, as you say, towards legal tech. I found, without doubt, one of the most interesting and exciting facets of law uh, that I've come across, even more so than sales and marketing, which I love to pieces. Actually, the adoption of legal tech and the space that it's in is truly exciting and interesting at the same time. So it was only natural for me to, to kind of pick up on that as much as possible and to, to run forward with it. Well, the timing is absolutely crazy good. I mean, we're seeing it as somewhat new entrance to the field, John, and you're right. And it is just going nuts. It's going to be one of those crazy rides because the industry is going crazy. But listen, one of the things we like to do before we kick off any serious talk is to share a don't suck fun fact. And listen, I got this from a trusted source that knows you well. And what he told me was you were a very good junior golfer. In fact, you were even hoping to go pro at one point, but you played in a really, really big tournament and you hit the first three shots out of bounds. And according to him, 
that was the beginning of you not becoming the next Roy McElroy. True story? You. Who on earth has told you this? <laughs> it's absolutely true. I, uh, I would love to have been a pro golfer. I was... I, I wouldn't say I was close, but I was, you know, nearly there. Put it that way. I wasn't, I was never quite good enough, but I was nearly there. I had a very big tournament that would propel me towards at least the next stage, you know, and I'm pretty far down the stage, but the next stage, and it was a four round tournament. And the first shot went out of bounds. And then the second shot did. And then the third shot did. (laughs) that was the end of it. And that was basically the end of my golfing career. (laughs) It was ruined in one afternoon. So So it's almost a tin cup story, right? You went all tin cup. It was proper tin cup type (laughs) stuff, I suppose. You know, it was was that moment where you thought, this is, this is going to be the one, you know, and you, you practice and you, you get there two hours, three hours before, and you do all the drills and you get everything ready and then you muck up on the first, and that is it. It's the end. And, and think about how different this could have been. This could have been right now. You're you're talking to two schleps like Bill and I on the Don't Suck at AI. This could have been ESPN, and you could have had in these little quadrants up here. One could have been Tiger Woods and Phil and Rory, and, and instead you're you're talking to us, man. Is that how do you feel about that? I mean, it's so <laughs> disappointing. Please take it in the spirit it's meant. But I wish you were Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus. We're having a nice chat about golf, but here we are. We're talking about legal tech. So, you know, the fate was there somewhere. (laughs) Well, listen, since you are on the Don't Suck at AI podcast, let's dig into a little AI and legal tech. You've been advising firms and departments for for several years on tech solutions, but post-pandemic, everything seems to have ramped up big time. So talk to us about what you saw in the marketplace that told you guys that it's time for Jameson to launch this division focused on AI and, and tech recommendations and consulting? It's a, an interesting question and one that we I speak about every day because Jameson Legal is a, a 12-year-old legal recruitment firm. It's hugely successful. It's very much worldwide. And it's been supplying lawyers both in-house and in private practice for the last 12 years across the world. So the relationships were always very good. There's probably not a, a jurisdiction, a country that We haven't placed a lawyer in across the whole world. And that business is always based upon relationships anyway. Recruitment businesses that have to be trusted by law firms, in-house teams, as well as the lawyers themselves. About two years ago, 18 months ago, we were approached by a piece of legal tech and they said, look, we really like the idea of you've got this network. We think that it would be great that if we came together, you could introduce us to the right people that you're speaking to. And we thought, hey, this is a really great idea, actually. And in a very short period of time, we introduced them to 50 or 60 different people, some in-house, some private practice lawyers. We started to, to get a real idea of what people were looking for. And unfortunately, what people were looking for was they don't know what they're looking for. So it became something really interesting because they know what that they needed to make a change. They didn't know quite how to make that change or where to make that change. And that's where Jameson Legal Tech started. So we've got these great relationships. We know lawyers around the world. We have 30,000 plus on our database at Jameson Legal. Where they need the help, what they need the help with, that's where we're going to step in. So that was where Jameson Legal Tech started. We've been going for just under a year and it's going great guns. 
So we're loving the space. We're enjoying introducing tech to the right people at the right times and introducing some of the tech at to the right people at the wrong times. <laughs> um, but as you said, you know what? The market is exploding. So it's something kind of exciting going. Well, John, I see the timing is perfect. And, and so talk with us about where you typically start for these firms that are reaching out to you to assist them. What are some of the areas of focus that your firm hones in on to begin to determine what the best strategy is for a law firm or a legal department? But look, it's really tough. It's a really tough ask that that kind of the, the question you there is, it depends on who you're speaking to at the time as well. So if you're looking at a small firm, a law firm, private practice lawyers, they're kind of full service law firm. They do everything that the big law firm does, but with one or two people rather than one or 200 people. They have a different need and a different want and a different desire than a mid-sized firm with 100 people or 200 fee earners, 300 fee earners, that kind of mid-sized firm. Where do you start? It depends on who you're speaking to. And what we hope with this digital, look, there are many firms now at the top end, they really get it. So, you know, Clifford Chance have... 100 people in their innovation department. They are deploying, I think, I and, and again, this is a, a, a rain and court stat, 580 different tech solutions, right? It's enormous, but they've got this 100 people who are looking at stuff mm-hmm. and 100 people who are being pitched ideas, 100 people who are receiving those. Once you come out of the magic circle firms and once you come out of that top tier, you're in a much different environment. And the environment has to be based around where the push and pull of the firm is at that current stage. So where do we start? It depends on who I'm speaking to. On the in-house side, again, it depends a lot on their business and what they're doing. Are they contract heavy? Are they cross-country? Do they have across different countries? So do they have lots of contracts in multiple languages? Do they have a large litigation team? Are they outsourcing everything? Is it one solo GC? So the starting point is different for everybody. And I mean, literally everybody. But where it starts is, what are you doing? What have you got? What are you doing? That's always the starting point. So if I'm talking to a large litigation firm or a litigation department, you know, what are you using to follow your cases? Most companies these days, they're up on e-discovery and they, they know how to bundle. And that's become a, an amazing sector of, of legal tech that is just pushing boundaries left, right and center. Post-bundling, though, how are they following litigation process? That's a little bit difficult. So actually, you're finding that people are still using Word and Excel and chronologies and older stuff and technologies that are probably a little bit outdated. The one thing that I, I need to say at this stage that legal tech can never be a vanity product. When I say that, it's not there to look good. It's there to do a job that's going to save time, effort and money. Yes. You know, that's very easy when you're talking to a law firm who are dealing with the billable hour or a project basis, because any legal tech at the beginning stage has to save them time, effort and money. It's not really a switcher's market yet either. So as soon as someone says, I'm using X at the beginning, you know, where do we start? So if they said, I'm using this tech, it's very rare at that stage that you will get them to switch or you even want them to switch unless they say, look, it's not fit for purpose and we're not using it and we don't like it and it's horrible and blah, blah, blah. So it's not about switching. 
just yet. You know, we'll come on to that later, I'm sure, about the future. But at this current time, where do we start? It's understanding the person, understanding their pushes and pulls, understand what they're using and how they're using it, and understand where the frustration is. That's awesome. I mean, it appears to me that Jameson would have a distinctive competence because of the nature of your current business. You have market intelligence because of your broad coverage and the contact you have all over the globe with many different types of law firms. So you're in a great position, it would appear to me. I agree too, Bill. Well, John, we've talked to you prior to the podcast. You shared with us a little bit about why this whole one-size-fits-all model is and legal, that that strategy has really gone by the wayside. And so you, you talked a little bit about how the identification phase works here, but what are you providing from them from a strategic perspective? You've pulled together a bunch of different technologies. And so you're trying to align those technologies to the appropriate firms. And many of these firms are global. So what's the strategy for both pulling more technology up under your umbrella and then aligning it effectively with the people you're serving? It's a really interesting question. We started this, uh, Jameson Legal Tech, myself and my co-founder, Jeremy. We kind of had three tick boxes for everybody that we spoke to at this beginning stage. And that's the tech solutions, not the the law firms and the legal professionals. We had three tick boxes. Number one, that the technology had to be best in class, had to be really good, had to do a fit the purpose that it was there to do. Number two, it can't be budget constraints. I'm trying to think of the nice way of putting this, actually. It can't be too expensive, okay, because it can't preclude anybody. It's got to be all inclusive for everybody. And then that's talking about the, the one size fits all and what I think the way that the market is going. Number three, by the way, on that one is that we had to really like the people. And that's really important to us, understanding that founders and people that work within any of the tech solutions that we work with, we really like them as individuals and tends to make a successful business. I can hand on heart say that we represent nine, soon to be 10 different solutions. I would go out for a drink with all of them at a heartbeat. They're great people who are trying to forge something really interesting. All of our technology is non-competing. So theoretically, if we find the right place, we can open the doors to everybody. So some of these firms that you're serving are international firms, and you're trying to align multiple solutions up against them in you know some potentially enterprise fashion. So how do you determine what their need is? Is there a process you go through and you identify what would be best for them in terms of what their pain points are? Or are they looking for immediate ROI or where? What's, what's that consultation process like for you? Yeah, look, it's loose at the start, okay, because it has to be. I opened this conversation by saying there are at the very top end, there are large innovation teams, certainly a number of people who have got their finger on the pulse, they know what they're looking for, they know where the pain points are. Actually, that's not the market that we're serving. That's probably the top 10%. The other 90% is where we are. I was speaking only today to a very large UK company. It's got six people in its legal team, an in-house GC. And she was saying, look, I just know that we need to slick the process. We've got stuff that we're doing that I know I'm doing manually that I shouldn't be doing manually. I've got 
people who are working way too hard at the moment, and I'm not quite sure how they're working at the moment is productive of their time. So mm. our, our routine at the very beginning is we want to give them ideas. I don't think, uh, I, and again, I said it about being a switcher's market. I also don't think in many cases it's a market that knows what it wants right now. I really want to find a piece of software that's going to help me with business development. The people don't know that right now. They think that they do, but they need to be introduced to one. It's not something that the head of a law firm or even the head of a, a business development function within a law firm or within whoever, that they're, they're looking around and saying, I, I need a tool that's going to help me do this. However, can a tool that does that really help them? The answer is yes. So it needs to be introduced. You know, the one thing that with the explosion of legal tech solutions that we're all seeing at the moment. And I know that there was a, an article in law.com only recently about the aggressive nature of, of salespeople. But I do think that this explosion of new tech that's out there on the market has led to a lethargy in lawyers because I speak to some of my legal friends and people on our network and everybody else, and they can receive 10 emails in a day from different legal tech solutions. Now, a couple of years ago, that was really interesting because there wasn't that much tech out there. And therefore, they had the time they would read it and then say, hey, this looks really interesting. Let's get on with it and do something. What's happening right now in the market is that with this flood and this explosion, a lot of great tech is getting missed because if you're the sixth email to, to hit the box that day, they hit the inbox you're probably not getting read, however good the tech is. I mean, the tech could be the greatest thing in the world, but actually it's not getting to the right audience. It also means some of the tech that's out there that's not so great is also flooding the market. And it means that people don't get to see everything that they need to see. That's where we step in. So where they're introducing, very likely, certainly at that beginning stage, we do a, a nice gentle fact find. It takes no more than 30 minutes to an hour what they're using, what they're doing, how they're doing it, where their pain points are. And then we start to suggest routes that they could go down and tech that we think would be interesting that sits within our consortium. We don't go outside of that at the moment. The idea is that once you introduce it to them, they then make a buying decision moving forward based upon a demo and information that comes with that. Well, John, uh, typically uh, in our podcast, we, we talk about the future. Our listeners want to anticipate what's coming so they can be proactive instead of reactive and trying to catch up. Wanted just to ask you to share with our listeners uh, what you see, what's in your crystal ball. You know, the pandemic has fueled an accelerated pace at digital transformation in uh, legal tech is rocket fueled. So things are moving fast. What's technology's role in keeping up with this growth over the next three to five years? What doesn't suck next? So what's uh, Jameson Legal Tech see on its radar screen? If you could share with our listeners. It's such a difficult question. You know, there was an article about a year ago from the Law Society in England and Wales where they talked about robot lawyers and that we're never actually going to have any lawyers going forward. And I think that made me chuckle. There'll always be lawyers. Some of the processes are going to get slicked up. That's no doubt about it. And it's happening already. There's going to be consolidation in the industry. I've no doubt about that. I think there are certain companies already out there who are purchasing a number of smaller competitors or 
like-minded products or products that fit well within this suite. In the same way that Jameson Legal Tech is doing, where we've got these non-competing products, actually, the people who were early adopters in terms of actually putting their tech out there are already organically buying their competitors or buying companies that sort of sit side by side with them. And I think in the legal tech world, there will be a point where a few companies will start to be the one-stop solution for, for many people. I do see in the future that one thing we're bringing to the market is that any size of law firm is right for tech adoption. And it used to be that only the richest or the biggest law firms now even solo lawyers, but smaller teams, whether they be 10 people, can adopt technology, can use it. It's cost effective and saves money for whoever it may be. I think in the future, I think certainly here in the UK, working from home is normal. I think going back to the office is still not going to come back for for the next few years, which Mm. means that our ability to use tech to network as a team or to be together as a team is going to become even more important, especially for lawyers. So, you know, lawyers have always got together discussing cases, discussing even with with colleagues, let alone team members, but, you know, colleagues outside. Therefore, I think technology plays a massive part in that, especially as well with clients being offsite and not wanting to perhaps come into the office which makes the world a much smaller place, by the way. So where I think it becomes really exciting is that there was never a chance of UK company doing business in Australia. And suddenly that's really accessible, really easy, or an Australian company to do business in the UK and the US. Used to be a hard thing because they'd say, you've got to come and see us. Mm -hmm. Flying in for that long. Are you joking? I'm not. Now everyone is used to doing deals and using networking platforms like Zoom that we're on today, or Teams, or Google, and jumping on and making the world a much smaller place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think the, the future is very bright. I think there will be more adoption across the world, and that makes it an exciting place to be. Yeah, no question, John. Dovetailing on your points about the investment in this space, look, we're somewhat newcomers to it, but we're watching private equity. I'm in Austin, Texas. It's like Silicon Valley here. Even firms here are private equity firms investing in legal tech. There's tech startups that are legal tech startups now, VCs getting in the game. And as you said, tech incumbents buying up other products to enhance their suite. It's amazing. It is really, I think 2022 is going to be an amazing year. Forget looking out three to five years, right? All you got to do is look out three to five months. That's how fast it's moving. So, So listen, First of all, you're right. It does make the world smaller. Here we sit in Texas, over here in the States, talking to you about legal tech. And you know we've got more interest in this podcast internationally, probably than we do in the United States, because of how small everything has gotten because of this pandemic. It is a phenomenal change in the way everybody does business. Well, listen, let me bring it home. First of all, I really appreciate you being here. So I typically jot down a few things that strike me. And today, what I'm hearing, I mean, first of all, Jameson Legal, pivoting to start this Jameson Legal Tech, and really connecting all the firms where you've placed lawyers that have legal tech needs. I mean, it's brilliant. It's the absolute pivot coming out of the pandemic to take advantage of a network you've already built. Kudos to you guys. That absolutely does not suck. 
you know, in such a short period of time, getting almost a dozen vendors into this consortium that are all aligned, non-competitive and effective to serve the community you're trying to sell to, that doesn't suck at all. But I will tell you what does suck. Three errant shots on a golf course ruining your entire golf career. So you're stuck here with us. That does suck. There's no question about that. So I mean, I can't believe you bring that up at the end. I mean, it's unforgivable. You're bad going into the weekend. Like, come on. <laughs> well, listen, listeners, first of all, they're going to love your accent. Second of all, they're going to know how can they follow you. So do me a favor, share with our listeners, if you will, where can they connect with you and follow all this cool stuff yeah. that's going on? If you go to jamesonlegal.com and you'll be able to find all the information. I mean, the one thing that, again, we're really exciting and we haven't spoken about, but please get in touch. We've, we've opened a recruitment side, so we've gone full circle. So we started in recruitment, we moved into tech, and now we're back into recruitment as well. It's a wide open space. And so we are recruiting. We want to be the, the, you know, the go-to name in that space as well, because we don't think it's being well-serviced. And that's any legal tech solution provider looking for people at any stage on anything, but also professionals who are looking for a jump. Love to get in touch with this. JamesonLegalTech.com or JamesonLegal.com. Please, yeah, log on in. You'll find me on there. Send me an email. We'd love to talk. Awesome, John. Well, listen, thank you so much for taking your Friday afternoon to spend with us. It's been super informative. We've enjoyed it. I'm sure our family of listeners are going to find it super informative as well. So, Bill, what would you add to the day? Now, I think it's been very informative, as you said, John. It's It's been a pleasure to get to know you better, John. And thank you for taking the time. Uh, thank you so much, guys. You have a great Thanksgiving. Really enjoyed this. It was great fun. Well, thanks, John. So listen, from, from Texas and from London, we're going to sign off and say that is a wrap, baby. We are out of here. 